church said? Amen. Amen. That's a hard one to keep up with, isn't it? <laughs> Man, I love that song. Keep on singing it. I can get this stand from there. That'll be appreciated. That's good. No problem. How do we deal with criticism? Well, any volunteers want to take that one on, but we're going to try that again today. About a year, a little over a year ago, I actually checked my records of talked on criticism. A little bit different take on it that time. But the reason why I want to talk about it again is because I'm sure in the past year or so, you've been criticized. Anybody? All right. A couple, couple in here. Anyway, um, I want to first say, before we get into this message, I want to say, you don't want to miss next week. Next week is M&M Sunday. M&M Sunday. You're going to figure that one out, but be here next Sunday. We want you to be a part of that. We're going to do a lot. It's going to be a little bit... It's going to be a lot different, and uh, there's a reason for all of that. So we're excited about it. A lot of things coming our way, and want to make sure that you are aware of that a week in advance. So you set your clocks, make sure you're here, all right? Very good. All right. Uh, in a Charlie Brown comic, I like the little Charlie Brown stuff. and I, The reason why I really didn't like it when I was growing up much, my brother was one of my brother's favorite. But since my brother's passed, I kind of like it now. Because I kind of miss when I think of Charlie Brown and see that little Charlie Brown character, I think of my brother and brings back great memories. But So anyway, this one's from Charlie Brown comic. Uh, Linus is seated in a, um, with, uh, he's seated and he has this troubled look on his face. Um, he's got a security blanket, of course, over his shoulder and his thumb in his mouth as he normally does. He finally leans over and he turns to Lucy and he says, Why are you always so anxious about criticizing me? She simply said, I just think I have the knack for seeing other people's flaws. <laughs> Linus then said, well, what about your own flaws? Without hesitation, Lucy replied, I have a knack of overlooking them. <laughs> so the question, I guess, as we start today is, do you have a Lucy in your life? Or are you a Lucy in other people's lives? Something to think about, isn't it? D.L. Moody, a great evangelist back in the 1800s, uh, he was criticized about a lot of things in his life, but if you read some of his material, you, I think you'll be blessed by it. Um, like all preachers, he said, <laughs> some supporters and some critics. He says, one day he went to the pulpit to give a sermon, and don't get any ideas on this one, but one day he went up to the pulpit to give a sermon, and he looked down in the podium there, he noticed that there was a note for him. And on that note, it was only one word. The word was fool. He held up the note, he held up the note and for all the people to see, and he said, this note might have intimidated a lot of preachers, but it really doesn't me. He simply said, I have known many instances where people wrote letters and forgot to sign their name. But this is the first case I've ever had where someone signed their name and forgot to write the letter. <laughs> We've all dealt with it. One of the toughest things that you will go through in your Christian walk, your Christian journey one of the toughest things that you will go through any age is criticism. And the reason why is because we not only receive it, get it, we also give it out. 
criticism. It cuts to the depths of your soul. In fact, so much so that it divides, it causes people to go into or scars and they carry it for a lifetime. And in fact, as we even know in our world today, it can cause people to be led to suicide. Just because someone criticized. What does the Lord say about that? What does the Bible teach us about those things? Well, we're going to look at some of those things today if we can. I'm sure if you were to teach this message in a class or something, you'd have plenty to say on it as well, and I'm sure it would be good. When a Christian tries to grow spiritually, you need to understand that Satan will do all that he can to destroy from you. He will try his best to steal from you anything spiritual in your life. The Scripture says in John chapter 10 that Jesus came that we might have life and life to its fullest, but Satan has come to steal from us. So you have to understand that Satan's going to work in every area of your life to steal from you your spiritual growth with Christ. And one of the ways that he targets that is through criticism. Criticism is like potholes, I write. Nobody likes them, but if you drive a car, you're bound to hit a few in life. Everybody knows, and perhaps... um, This is something we deal with since it's football season. Armchair quarterbacks. You ever sit at home and just feel like you were the one that could do it so much better and you just criticize that call or that play or that coach or that player or nobody? It happens. It happens to the best of us. So how do we handle criticism? I have to write out. How do you handle criticism? Boy, if we were to give that one an open mic, man, we might hear some stories. It might just be simple. I just punch them out. And I'm sure somebody could probably say back in the day, that's what I would do. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit too, not punching people out, but maybe, I don't know. Let's see what we got. How do we handle criticism? First of all, you need to realize it's going to happen. That's elementary, but it is elementary. But it's truth. Two plus two is four. It's elementary, but it's still true when you're an algebra major or whatever those things are, right? It's still true. Criticism is a way of life. It just happens. It flows in and out of us. People can and will be and say things, but I would simply say to start with is don't listen to what people say if you're doing the right thing in the Lord. If you're doing the right thing in the Lord, don't listen to what other people are saying. But you got to make sure that you're doing the right thing in the Lord, not what you think is right, because your thinking doesn't make it truth. That's the society we live in today. The world we live in today, I think, therefore, it is truth. That's a lie. That's a lie. And we have to be careful about that in our lives. In this... Just know that you are in good company if you are criticized. They put Jesus on a cross, and they'll try their best to crucify you as well, especially for those of us that are walking in Christ Jesus. It just happens. Look at this scripture here, the the one we have on the screen there, Psalms 34. Uh, The righteous person faces many troubles. One of the troubles we face is criticism. I don't like criticism. You like criticism? 
Now, some people will say, well, I only do constructive criticism. I think that's an oxymoron almost. I mean, have well intentions, but yeah, it's an ill easy way to criticize and simply say God's okay with it. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. And so when we go through the struggles or troubles and even those things of criticism in our lives, you got to remember that when you're hurt, because criticism sometimes hurt, you're ugly, you're fat, you're short, you don't speak very well. And those things hurt. And the list goes on. And in that process, it tells us here that we have to remember, and if you're in Christ, remember this verse, because in your times of troubles, but in your time of criticism, bingo, God comes to the rescue. So sometimes what you got to do is just get away and say, God, rescue me, because I surely need it. Anybody been there? Yeah, good. All right. Secondly, don't retaliate. And this is the hard part. That's that punch in the nose thing we mentioned. If only, it only puts you on their level when you retaliate, doesn't it? It makes you look like what, what we said earlier. I'm not going to say it, but you know what it says. If anyone could have retaliated, it could have been the Apostle Paul himself. Um, in all of the things that he did, but he kept his focus on God. They criticized him for all kinds of things. They beat him and they put him in prison and all the things that he did. And he could have retaliated on many fronts, but he didn't. In fact, what we find in Scripture where he says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, he did not forget his focus. His focus wasn't about him. His focus was Christ. And if your focus is Christ and you're doing right, continue following Christ. Give me an amen. I say that retaliation is not worth it, yet I realize often it's hard to control. It's as though it's within us to retaliate. It happens at any and all ages. We get cut, we want to cut back. But remember this above all things. When Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus hung on the cross... You see, if in, in, in your life when you're going through something you think nobody else has ever been through, or woe is me, and this is hurtful, and this is painful, whatever it might be, look to the cross and what Jesus did. Because in this moment, what He did for us, all of those things, when He hung on the cross, He had every right to cut back. We read where He could have called 10,000 angels or a legion, just wipes everything out. And I probably would have. But he didn't. He simply said to those that even criticized him, you think you're the king? Who are you? Stripped him naked. And as he hangs on the cross and he bleeds out for you and me, my sin and your sin, the sin of the world, he knew that he was dying for that person that was criticizing. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes you have to say, God, help me to forgive them, those that have criticized me, because they don't know what they're doing or talking about. Because oftentimes when people criticize you, they criticize you behind your back. Or they criticize you by what someone else has told you, but they haven't told the whole story, and so they pull it around the backside, and they just take it as truth. And then they just criticize. That's pretty ugly. 
I have to remind myself of the cross when I am being criticized. But I need to remember even more when I am criticizing others. Jesus died for that sin too. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Because all you're going to do is just sit there and argue back and forth. I'm going to do, you hit me, I hit you. You say something bad, I'm going to use another word against you. And so therefore it just blows up. But it says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessings. Why? Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. There's a lot of ways you can probably look at this particular verse. But he is not saying bless evil. He's saying don't be evil in the midst of evil being done to you. But be who you are, true to Christ, and bless. Because blessings are always coming to you from God. You can stop the flow of God's blessing when you take or retaliate. Take it on yourself to judge or to retaliate in this case. Don't do that. You run the risk of losing the blessing. Don't lose the blessing. In my life, I have lost too many blessings because I took matters into my own hand. Anybody else? When you take matters into your own hand, you can lose God's blessing. It doesn't mean He won't give you another blessing down the road. It just means that one, you just missed it. Did you ever find a sum of money? Just be walking along and there, a $100 bill. Anybody? How'd you feel? Did you turn it in? Did you put it in your pocket? Well, that's another debate, another story, I guess, but it makes you feel like, you, you, but that $100 bill was there. How many $100 bills or $10 bills or quarters have you walked past but you never saw? You don't know, do you? It's the same with blessings. Some of the blessings that you receive from God, they are evident as they can be, even perhaps when you say a prayer. It's just like instant. It flows over you. And other blessings, they're just missed. But they're there. They're there. We just miss them. Thirdly, you need to understand that it's impossible to please everyone. You've heard that, haven't you? A million times. But, but as Christians, we need to be reminded that. You can't please everyone. No matter what you do, someone will undoubtedly find something that they don't like about moi. Right? That's just the way it is. You heard of the story. I think it's a fable. But anyway, it's a story about the man, the boy, and the donkey. Anybody remember that story? I'm going to try to tell it to you real quick, so it's my version, so take it easy. Don't send me a letter. <laughs> there was a man, a boy, and a donkey. The man and the boy were taking the donkey to the market. So they're walking along the road, and a man comes along and says, Hey, there's a perfect good, perfectly good donkey. Why don't you let the boy ride on the donkey? So the man put the boy on the donkey. They go along a little further, and the man, another man says, Oh, how, are, how sad you're treating your father like this. You're riding the donkey, and your father has to walk. That's shame on you. So the boy gets off the donkey, the man gets on the donkey. They go down a little bit further, and the man says, well, here's a perfectly good donkey. Why don't you both ride? So they both get on the donkey. They go a little bit further, and then there's a man that simply says, you're mistreating this donkey. How sad that you put all this weight on this donkey. Terrible, you. 
So they both have an idea. They get off the donkey. They tie his feet together. They put it on a pole, and they begin to carry it to market. As they cross the bridge, the donkey flips and flops, falls off the pole into the water, and drowns, to which a man watching a bystander says, it deserves you right. So what is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is basically this. Please all and you will please none. Your goal is not to please everybody. Now kids, listen to me closely. When parents tell you something, obey your parents. Don't try this at home. It could be dangerous, okay? (laughs) Children, obey your parents. Correct. But you can't, your aim is not to please everyone because it's impossible. I guarantee you some people in this church don't like the way I approach things. That's normal. It's okay. It's fine. You can get over it. I mean, I can get over it. (laughs) But it just comes with the territory and it's all right. Oh, where am I at in all this? I always tell you what my mother used to say because mothers know best, I think. Mine did. She would say, people may say all kinds of things about you, son. And this was long before I became a preacher. And she would say, don't worry about what they say. Just know that I love you and the Lord loves you. And that's what matters most. Listen, we as children of the Most High God, and we we are children of the Most High God, red, yellow, black, and white, we are precious in His sight. Can I have an amen? amen? I think that's important for us to remember. Keep in mind that your goal is not to please people because ultimately it is God that you are working for. Here's a good verse for you. Throw that one up. It's Colossians chapter 3. Again, this verse can be applied to many things in one's life. But notice what this one says. Whatever you do, 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 whatever you do. Do you see that? you got to remember that. Because sometimes we just pull it out. Oh, I do this for the Lord, but not that. But whatever you do, he says. Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance, that's heaven, from the Lord as a, a reward God wants to reward His people. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If perhaps Jesus was still here on earth walking around and you were to walk with Him and He said, I want you to stay at this place and I want you to do this, how would you do it? Would you do that better than what you're called to do at school or your workplace in life? If you would do it different, then you're not doing it for the Lord. I think we would all say, boy, I want to be really good. Lord, is this correct? I'm doing this for you. You want me to polish shoes? I'll polish shoes a little bit. That's not shining up. I want to do that a little bit more. Why? Because I'm doing it for you, Lord, and I do it with an open heart. Because I love you, Lord. That's what he's getting at. If you love me, you will obey my commands, he says. So whatever you do, do it as though you're working for the Lord. Criticizing is not the work of the Lord. That's the work of man. If your goal is to please people, then you're always going to be vulnerable to criticism. Looking over your shoulder, 
and most likely you will fall victim to one or two traps. Now this is, this is important because there are some people, they're always looking over their shoulder because they want to please, but they're not sure of, and they're really confused by it. So when you're always trying to please people, you'll fall into one or two traps, I think. The first trap that you will fall into, perhaps, could be, and this one happens for a lot of people, and I believe we've all been there to a degree, and that is you brag about yourself. You have to brag about yourself. In other words, you want to make sure that everybody knows what you are doing. You want to brag about yourself so that others think that you're an expert. Here's a question for us. I want you to raise your hand. I give you permission. It's okay to raise hands in church, isn't it? Okay. Did you ever meet a know-it-all? Raise your hand. I want to tell you something. All those of you that have your hands up, raise your hand again. No, you didn't. You didn't. You met someone that thought they knew it all, right? No one knows it all except God. Give me an amen. All right. Teachable lesson right there, man. Take it home with you. It's free. All right. You always get in trouble if you brag about yourself. Oh, here's another story. I like this one too. Laughter is good medicine. That's what Scripture says. I say it. Scripture said it. There was a frog and two ducks. They were best friends. They lived in a pond, and it was a drought going on. It must have been Oklahoma besides yesterday, and praise God for the rain. But they were in this pond that was drying up. So this frog and two ducks, they were great friends. Now, the, the, the ducks could just fly many, many miles to the next pond, but the frog, he's going to croak. But that was their friend. And so what they decided to do is they were going to get a stick, and one duck would grab the stick on this side, and the other duck would grab the stick on that side, and he, they said to the frog, just latch your mouth onto this stick, and we'll fly you over to that other pond. Pretty good idea, don't you think? So as they're flying over, still miles away from the next pond, two men were walking in this open field, nothing around. And they looked up, and they saw this unusual-looking thing. And they simply said, one to the other, boy, that's a wonderful idea. I wonder who came up with that. And the frog opened his mouth and said, it was me. <laughs> you got to be careful when you brag on yourself. It can cost you greatly. <laughs> I had a sound effect to add in there, but no, I didn't do that. The second trap is, isn't laughter good? All right, somebody's saying, no, it's not, it's church, don't do that. Okay, whatever. The, sec the sec second trap is comparing ourselves with others. This is the one we really fall into. And it's been happening since the beginning of time. You know, the two brothers. I didn't do quite as good, and all he had to do was do what was right. But he chose not to. And he took it a little further than just criticizing It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You can always find someone who is better or worse than you are. No doubt. And someone that is taller and someone that is shorter, trust me. But it's okay in this process. God has made you for a purpose. God has made you, you. 
for a purpose. Now, you know I run to Jeremiah 29 11 a lot. God has a plan for you and declares the Lord and all these things prosper you. And I believe that with all my heart. But someone says, what about the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It simply says, this is what it's meant by the Scripture, which says that no mere man has ever seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Give me an amen. amen. That means God has something wonderful for me. So when somebody criticizes, you can say, God has something wonderful for me. You need to hang on to this verse. God has something wonderful for me because I love him. God has something more. I can't even imagine what God has for me because I love him. So the point here is keep loving God and watch the wonderful things come into your life. If you focus on that criticism, you will push this away. Embrace this and the criticism goes away. If God wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you someone else. Ever think about that? After all, as my wife Donna says, sweetheart, everyone can't be tall and good looking like you. All right. Keep your eyes on the goal. 2 Corinthians, here's another good verse for us to, to kind of end on. We're almost finished, so hang on. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Notice what it goes on to say. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. That's kind of a mouthful there, isn't it? They compare themselves with themselves. So I'm comparing me with me, and I'm thinking me is good because I'm good, so therefore I'm good. No, I'm only good in Christ. See, again, going back to that thinking. I think I'm right, so therefore it's truth, so therefore I'm good. No. I know Christ, and I know in Him I have forgiveness of my sin. Truth. Big difference. But he goes on to say, But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our boasting, again, is supposed to be in who? It's in God. For it is not the one who commends himself, who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. Who does the Lord commend? It's just like you with your children. You commend them because they're your children. They don't always do everything right. But when they do something good or they're trying hard, what do you do? You commend them. You don't criticize them. Or you shouldn't. There's a different way of handling that as teachers go through. Teachers look at his child and, oh, you're coloring out the lines. You'll never make it. You'll never be an artist. Now, that's pretty foolish for you elementary teachers out there. So how do you deal with that? You don't criticize. What you do is you're doing a good job. You see these lines? They're there for a purpose. I had to learn that in fifth grade. And those lines are right there for a purpose. And when you color over here, try to stay within. Oh, that's much better. See that encouragement instead of criticism. There are many people in our world today that aren't doing what they're called to do because somebody criticized them at the very beginning. You're looking at one. But praise God, he had a breakthrough moment with me, or I allowed him to have a breakthrough moment with me. Because I will tell you, I was criticized for my speech and for my delivery and all those things. 
And I finally had to just listen to God and not listen to man. I love what the Lord has done. I love what He does. But you have to be careful in all of that process. I know I missed a point there. You have to keep your mind on what God would have it to be. Don't compare yourself with others. My advice to you is this. If someone, or when someone, I should probably say, criticizes you, evaluate it. Don't jump to conclusions first. Just evaluate it. Run it through some kind of system. In other words, your spirit. There's a reason why God's spirit lives within you. It's there so that you can, you can take the world's things, filter it through the system, and get the junk out. But it's also there that someone, even in the world, might draw your attention to you that you are not living like Christ. Did you ever get put in place by a non-Christian? That's pretty embarrassing. You call yourself a Christian and you talk like that? I remember one time I was changing oil. We were early in our marriage, and I was changing oil in the cars we would do back in the old days. Uh, millennials, out, there's a plug on there. You turn it like this, and the oil drains out. But anyway, I remember I was under there, and I, I was going to church and doing all the things I thought I should do, going through motions, I guess. And I was under the car, and my brother was on the outside of me. And going back to my brother today, he's on my mind today. And, and I remember I was under there, and I probably busted my knuckles or something. And when you bust your knuckles, you just say, oh, sweet Jesus, thank you very much. <laughs> well, that's not what I said. I said, my, so my brother, my brother reaches down, and he grabs my legs, and he pulls me out from underneath. I'm on one of those little carts. And he pulls me out, and he looks straight down at me, and he simply said, Mom and Dad never taught us those words. <whistles> oh, sweet Jesus, thank you so much. <laughs> you have to be put in place sometimes. He wasn't criticizing me. He was correcting me. He was disciplining me. And boy, did I get the message, and even today. So check your spirit bank. Check your spirit bank to find out if it's, if it's something that you need to adjust. If it's something that you need to adjust spiritually, adjust it. God is a forgiving God. God is a God that allows you. You turns. Praise God. And so in that process, you can make those adjustments. Don't be so prideful. Hey, I messed up. I said things that I shouldn't have said. But thank you, God, that you can forgive me of that, and you already have. Help me to do better. I know I can. So you filter it through that. But never forget the bottom line is that it is Christ that you are serving. It's Christ that we are following on this journey together. That it is not people that you're trying to impress. It's the Christ that you are following that you're trying to look more like to a world that doesn't know Christ that you say, I say, we are following. Listen, I don't want to close without letting you know what God thinks of you. I know sometimes I probably don't bring it up enough, and I apologize for that, but I want to let you know what God thinks of you. He loves you. He just loves the soup out of you. He just loves you. He loves you so much that He died for you 
so that you wouldn't have to die and go to a place called hell that never ends. And if you will just love him back, Scripture says, if you will just love him back through all of this, he will save you. He will write your name in that Lamb's book of life. He will allow you to be filled with his spirit so that you can evaluate things in your spiritual walk with Him correctly. And as we move along on this journey together, accepting one another where we're at in Christ, as we talked about in our class today, is where we're at. God wants to meet you. And in this verse it says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As Stan mentioned in class again, it is through that faith we are saved. God's special possession, this translation says, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Chosen. God's not condemning you. God's not criticizing you. God just wants to love you. And you need to know he already does. All you have to do is accept it. So maybe today, maybe this week or sometime, you've been really hurt because of criticism. Or even perhaps you've been the one that's criticized and you feel bad about that now. That's a good thing if you feel bad about it. Why is that a good thing? It is because your heart's still pliable. It means that God can forgive you of that. So ask God to forgive you of it. Or maybe you've been hurt by criticism, and it's hurt, and it's been years perhaps. I can tell you at the foot of the cross, you can find healing. And today we're going to offer a prayer time for you. If you need a prayer, for, we'll pray with you. We will kneel and pray with you, whatever your need is. You come together as we stand and sing.